Hey everybody, welcome to the Conscious Love Show. Whether you are single, you are in a relationship, or you're healing a broken heart, this show is here to inspire you, to remind you how beautiful, lovable, and amazing you truly are, and to give you the practical tools and insights to navigate from wherever you are right now to the loving relationship that you so deeply want to have. My name is Shane Kohler. I'm a certified transformational coach and trainer with over a decade experience helping people release their trauma and open their hearts to love. I've delivered seminars all over the world, coached thousands of people through my online platforms and programs, and every week I'm coming straight to you with the hottest insights and the best teachers around, bringing you powerful resources and profound conversations to heal your relationship with love, dating, and yourself. I'm so grateful you're here, and if it's your first time, welcome. You can count on me to always show up for you with my very best and a commitment to learn and grow myself so I can serve you to my maximum ability. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I've got some awesome things planned for you today. So without further ado, let's dive in. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Conscious Love Show. Shane here with you. Uh, pleasure to be back. I always look forward to this. As you know, it's always uh, exciting for me to get on here and connect and share. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, I was just sharing that um, yesterday I was doing some journaling. It's been a practice of mine. I started at the end of, I guess the end of 2023, last month or so, and then I've been bringing it into the new year, is like starting my morning before I even get out of bed with some journaling. And I just thought it'd be a great way to like really frame my mind for the day. I found it to be really incredible actually. But um, yeah, I have a journal app on my phone and just first thing before I even get out of bed, I grab my phone and I open up the journal app. I just start by making a gratitude list. And then from there, I just kind of free flow whatever's on my mind or on my heart. And um, I found it to be a powerful practice. Like, you know, starting with the gratitude list before I've even gotten out of bed, just automatically, you know, framing my mind in gratitude first action of the day and then um, letting that spill over into um, any insights or any you know anxiety I need to process or just anything like that that's on my mind or on my heart that I feel like I need to kind of work through I just kind of naturally do it before I even get out of bed so anyway I found that to be a really cool practice um, and it's been really helpful and I, I found like my days as a whole have just been flowing in, in such a like natural way starting them. So anyway, I want to share that that's been a cool practice and I've really been enjoying that. But something that came up in my journaling yesterday was this topic of self-love. And I just wanted to read a little piece of what I wrote and, um, and kind of kickstart today's conversation with that because I just... I thought it was so powerful. And again, this is the conversation around self-love that maybe you haven't heard, right? This isn't necessarily the, the common social media conversation, but maybe a deeper level of it that we don't often think about. But this is what I wrote, and I'll just start with this. What makes life beautiful? Love and appreciation. Really, that's all life is. It's an opportunity to experience love and appreciation for all things, most of all myself. And my life is an opportunity to learn to love myself, to learn to appreciate myself, to learn to enjoy being me, to recognize and relish in all the things I love about me, to work hard at developing me and to be proud of my accomplishments, with each passing year to grow in admiration of who I am and grow in the excitement of who I will become, to recognize that there is no limit 
to who I can become. There is nothing out of reach. There is nothing I can't be or have. And to, without abandon, pursue all of my passions because that is love being expressed in my body and in the world. The more I choose to live this way, the more love and appreciation I have for all things. The more beauty I see in everything, the more capable I become of love. It all begins with how I see and feel about myself. What I think about myself, who I believe I am. From this internal awareness, everything looks more lively and more lovely. The world is beautiful and life is good. It is I who choose to see death and destruction or life and forgiveness. So that's just a little piece of what I wrote. And I wanted to start with that because it's been said that you can't really love someone else until you first love yourself. And I don't think that is an absolute fact. Like I definitely think it's possible to experience love for someone without completely loving yourself. I mean, I think, you know, maybe we all struggle with self-love to some degree and yet we've all loved somebody in our life, right? So I don't think that's an absolute fact, but I think there is a limit on the amount of love that we can give when we're not already giving love, that love to ourselves. There's a limit on the amount of love that we can experience on, on how big the love can really become in our lives when we are not first giving that love to ourselves. And so there's, there's an awareness of, of growing into, like, like I wrote there, right? A deep sense of self-love in the sense of like, I respect myself. I admire myself. I appreciate who I am. Like I see the gifts in myself. I see the good qualities inside of me. I recognize how valuable that is, right? Like I don't allow people to take advantage of those gifts. I don't, I don't treat those gifts like they have no value, but I actually recognize the incredible value that those gifts have. And I hold them as such, right? I hold myself as someone of value. When I look in the mirror, I see someone worth respecting worth acknowledging, right? There's, there's something beautiful about the person I see in the mirror. And I think like life, really this life that we're living, if there's one thing we're supposed to get out of it, I think that like is maybe the ultimate lesson, right? It is really to learn to love the person that I am, learn to enjoy being myself, right? Like learn to really wake up in the morning and like who I am, like this life that I'm living, like the people that I'm sharing it with. Like, like that's really like if there's a if there's a goal in life or something to aspire to in life, right? Like wouldn't that be it? Wouldn't that be like the ultimate goal is to wake up in the morning, love who I am, love the life that I'm living, love the people I'm sharing it with. And so everything that we do in our lives, every single thing is really if we're if we're living consciously, in some way, we should be moving toward that goal, moving toward that aspiration of loving more who I am, acknowledging more of who I am, appreciating more of who I am, appreciating more of my life. And so what I want to talk about today is really like, how do we cultivate self-love? How do we bring this to life inside of us? And then also not just how do we cultivate it, but what are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the things that like keep us out of it? Why is it so hard to love ourselves and feel good about ourselves and feel worthy? And, you know, when we look into the eyes of that person that we're attracted to, like what's going on that we automatically feel like we're not worthy of them. 
right? Why do we feel like we need to do something to earn their love or earn their affection or be good enough for them, right? Like, what is that all about? And so that's what I want to explore in today's episode. And I really want to talk about how do we cultivate this self-love to really bring it to life inside of us, to have it be big and real. And all that being said, as I was, as I was thinking about what I wanted to share here and thinking about a conversation around cultivating self-love and the first thing that came to me is that it's not that we don't love ourselves because I think on, on a certain level, I, th- I think we really do, right? Like on a certain level, I, I think we do love ourselves, but I think we have learned behavior and habits, habits in our thinking, habits in our behavior that we've picked up along the way that are actively attacking our self-love, right? Like I, I think if these if these destructive behavioral patterns and patterns of thinking were not there, they weren't present, that self-love would be much more natural. I think we would naturally recognize like, oh, there are a lot of amazing things about me. And we would naturally like want to explore those things, right? Like we would naturally, we would notice the things that are amazing about ourselves and we would want to explore those things and make them bigger. That would be the most natural thing in the world for us. And so it's not that the self-love isn't there. It's not that we don't love ourselves, but it's that we have these learned patterns of thinking and behaving that are actively attacking the degree to which we love ourselves, that are preventing us from, one, acknowledging how worthy and lovable we really are, and and two, they're, they're just giving us ideas about ourselves that constantly make us hate ourselves to one degree or another. So... What are these patterns? Where do they come from? Like, right? What are the thought patterns? What are the behavioral patterns? And how do these get established? And where, like, where do they come from? So first thing I want to point to is just like something probably most of us do, all of us do. Like you, you make a silly little mistake. Like, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe you spill your co- cup of coffee or, or you overlook something in something you were supposed to do and then you find it later and immediately you go, oh my God, I'm so stupid. Right? And or I'm an idiot, or, oh, what the fuck is wrong with me, right? And there's this internal self-talk that I think we can all relate to that. I mean, like, I'll just be honest, for me, I don't do that, but I used to. And it's something that I had to first identify and recognize and then start, like, actively working against that to outgrow that habit because that was a habit in mind just to, like, just to judge and criticize myself all the time, right? It was just it was just part of what I did. It was just part of my internal narrative about myself, my internal thinking about how I thought about myself. It was, you know, I'm stupid. What's wrong with me? Why would I do that? And like, honestly, I didn't even genuinely think that about myself. Like if you had really sat me down and asked me like, Shane, do you really think you're a stupid person? I would have said, no, I don't think I'm a stupid person. But my internal narrative that was running all the time was, oh my God, you're an idiot. Why would you do that? What's wrong with you? Right. So there's there's this thing we pick up where we're just constantly putting ourselves down and attacking ourselves and judging ourselves. And what the fuck's wrong with you? Why would you do that? How, how could you like and there's there's not a compassionate internal relationship with ourselves. Right. Where we just we allow ourselves to make mistakes. We allow ourselves to. Oh, like, oh, look at that silly, funny. You did that. Right. Even like just laugh at ourselves. Right. Or just, oh, well, you know, I, I know you maybe didn't do the best thing there, but I understand why you did it. I understand everything that went into that. I understand maybe you were stressed out that day. Maybe you didn't get good sleep that night. Right. Like there, there's so many factors involved. 
And we don't have a compassionate relationship with ourselves where we give ourselves the space to just make mistakes, just be silly, not be perfect all the time, not get it right 100% of the time, right? And there's this immediate judgment that anytime something is not perfect. So that's the first thing I just want to bring up as one version of the way we attack ourselves. You know, there are other more subtle versions. Like, I think that's something that's really obvious, right? But then there are things that I would say happens on the level of identity, right? So what I'm talking about is more of like a surface manifestation. And then the identity would be more of like who I really believe I am, right? So I just said a minute ago, like if you had sat me down and said, Shane, do you really think you're a stupid person? I would have said, no, I don't think I'm stupid, right? But then there's a level of identity where the identity is who do I really believe I am? So these are the things that I would actually say I, I believe about myself. And there's a there's an impression that most, if not all of us, got to some degree that somehow we were just not that great. And yeah, I mean, that, that could be a spectrum too, right? That could be a spectrum from like, I'm just completely useless and worthless and just like, I don't even, like my existence doesn't even matter all the way up to like, well, I'm okay, but I'm just not that awesome. Like I'm nothing special, right? There's nothing extraordinary about me. I'm just normal, I'm just regular, right? And so like, I think all of us, unless we've done some kind of healing work to undo this, all of us live somewhere on the spectrum between I'm just completely useless and worthless and like, I'm okay, but I'm nothing special. And this is something that, I mean, it comes from so many places. Like if you just think about it, in the world that we are brought up in, it just makes perfect sense that that's the identity you would create. Because, I mean, look at the competitiveness. Look at the, I mean, just like everything you go through from the time you're so young. And like from the time you're a child, your parents have expectations of you that you could never live up to, right? They want you to be well-behaved. They want you to be polite. They want you to be all these things. But like you could never, like how could a child ever be those things? without learning to be those things, right? So from, from day one, we're handed like the set of expectations that we're supposed to be, but we can't be. And that kind of just carries on throughout our lives, right? You go to school, you're supposed to be a straight A student, supposed to be a top athlete, you're supposed to be physically attractive, you're supposed to, all the boys or girls are supposed to want you, right? Like there's just this incredible list of expectations that we could never live up to. And this is being handed to us in every domain of our life, everywhere we go, all the time. Right. And like you go to work and, and I mean, in, to some degree, we can live up to the expectations, right? I'm not saying we can never live up to them, but everywhere we go at work, at school, in our relationships, with our friendships, with our parents, with other family members, there's just this set of expectations that we're supposed to live into that is not, it's not taking into account the truth of who we are. Right. It's not like when we're young, our parents really sit down. And I mean, these days, I think it's happening more and more. And I think maybe it used to happen sometimes, but not often. But like, you know, our parents weren't really curious about who we are, about what our truth is. Our, our parents were more about like, again, these expectations of who we were supposed to be. And then they wanted us to live into that. And so all of the expectations, even when you go to work, your boss has a set of expectations for you. And everywhere we go, there are these expectations that we're supposed to live into that aren't considerate or taking into account, who am I? 
what's true for me in my heart? Like, what do I really want from life? Like, what do I really want for myself? Right? Like all of that is just kind of left out of it. And so it's, it's normal. I mean, it almost couldn't happen any other way to grow up thinking like, I'm really not that special. You know, no matter who you were, there was someone who outperformed you in some way, whether it was academically, whether it was athletically, whether it was some other way, right? But there, there was always someone who would outperform you. There was always someone who, you know, the guy or girl that you liked, liked them instead. There was, that happened for everybody in one way or another. And so we developed this idea about ourselves that I'm just not that great. I'm just not that special. I'm just normal. I'm just regular. There's nothing extraordinary about me. And then we're kept in like constant survival. Like there's never, there's never even a time in our lives where somebody sits down with us, unless like you hire a coach, right? Like for, for the, like when you hire a coach, it might be the first time in your life that somebody has ever sat down with you and like really been curious about who you are and what's amazing about you and what gifts you could share with the world, right? Like did your parents ever do that? Did your school teachers, like, like my school teacher, I remember, I, I might have shared this on the podcast before, but my school teacher, and he was one of the best teachers I had in all of high school. He was my English teacher. I thought he was great. We had a great relationship, like one of the best teachers I had. And he came up to me and he said he thought I should be a physical therapist. And it's like random, you know, but, but he wasn't looking at it like, well, who am I? What's my truth? What are my gifts? How could I really be a contribution in this world? He's looking at it like, how could I survive? And we're all given that. I mean, like how many of your parents told you to become a doctor or a lawyer or some other version of that, right? Go become an x-ray tech, right? Who's, I mean, maybe some people are passionate about being an x-ray tech. And if so, that's great. But like so many people go for jobs like that because, not because it's their passion or their truth or what they want most out of life, but because it's a good way to survive in this world. And so we're given expectations that are not respective of our truth were made to survive in ways that are not reflective of our highest expression, right? And so if you just look at the way this life is set up, it's constantly giving us the message that we don't really matter that much. We're not that important. There's somebody better. There's somebody more extraordinary. And then what do we do? We compare ourselves. Right, we compare ourselves, and like I think, so there are a lot of great things about social media, right? There, there are a lot of incredible things about social media, but one of the things that is not great about it is that everybody, even like, even the most authentic people on social media, and there are some very authentic people on social media, but even the most authentic people on social media are only showing you what they want you to see, right? Like they're not really giving you the full picture of their life. And they, they couldn't, even if they wanted to, it would be impossible to convey the completeness of someone's life on social media, right? And so even the most authentic people are still only showing you what they want you to see. And most people who are not even that authentic are just showing you a complete lie about who they are and what their life is. And us, we who are present to the truth of ourselves and the truth of our life and like all of our insecurities and all of our fears and all the parts of our body that we're not comfortable with and all the, like all the, just all the things, right? Who, and we're present to that. We see it every day, everywhere we go. And then we get on social media and we look at these images and videos and stories of people who seem like everything in their life is perfect. And it's not, but they're not showing us that. 
And so us being present to the things in our life that are not perfect, we automatically assume that we're less than these other people. And I mean, this just goes on and on and on and on and on, right? And I'm trying to give some of the big examples here because I really want you to, to look at how, how impossible it is to love yourself if you don't actually make an intention to do so and work on it. Like everything is working against you. Everything in this world just wants you to be a number. Everything in this world just wants you to be another number. You know, like dating apps. I mean, dating apps are another version of it, right? Like, I mean, like if you really check in right now and you're honest, how many of you feel better after using a dating app? And most people don't even check in. Like most of us use dating apps to numb ourselves. We're not like, we're not like really on the app engaging in a powerful, intentional way, clear about what we're looking for, clear about the amount of time we're willing to invest, clear about the conversations we entertain, right? Like most of us are not engaging in dating apps in that way. Most of us are on dating apps in a very numbing kind of way. We use it to forget about our problems. It's like a dating app is like a lottery ticket, right? It's like the chances of you winning the lottery are slim to none. But people buy a lottery ticket every day just to give themselves a little spark of hope, right? Well, we do that with dating apps, right? Like the chances of you, I don't want to say you can't meet someone on dating apps because you can, but like the chances of that kind of mindless, numbing scrolling amounting to anything is like slim to none. Like if you're on dating apps in a mindless, numbing kind of way, you are not going to create anything valuable out of that but it's like buying a lottery ticket. It gives you a little bit of hope. And what it actually does is leave you feeling, it's like a spark of hope, and then it leaves you feeling more hopeless. Just like the person who buys the lottery ticket, they get a spark of hope, and then they go home, they don't win, and then they feel even more hopeless than they did before, right? And so all of these things are leading you to feel like a number leading you to feel like you're not worthy or valuable or like you're, and, and this is constantly happening in every domain of our lives. So the first thing I want you to really realize in this conversation is what a, what an impossible situation we are in when it comes to really feeling worthy and lovable. And like, I think most of us kind of unconsciously assume that there are people out there who feel worthy and lovable and they just have something we don't, right? They're just special. They just, they're just lucky. They're just extra confident. And like, no, no, like we're all in this together. We're all in this predicament where it is really difficult to feel worthy and lovable in this world. And the people who have created that for themselves are the people who have actively worked at it. So now I want to talk about what does it mean to really cultivate self-worth? Like being in this mess, being in this like impossible situation where everything in our lives is constantly telling us that we are not worthy and we are not lovable, right? What does it look like to create self-love from inside of that? Where does self-love come from when you're living in that? And the first thing I want to say is that I think recognizing that your feelings of maybe unworthiness or lack of self-love or not feeling great or not feeling inspired or not feeling like your dreams can come true, right? Like 
to whatever degree you're feeling that, like really recognizing that that is not something personal about you. Like, it, like most of us assume that there's something wrong with me. Other people have something different that I don't have, right? So first is recognizing that it's not personal about you. There's actually nothing wrong with you. There never was. But this is a conditioned, habitual way of thinking and seeing yourself, right? Habitually, you have learned to think about yourself this way. You have learned to see yourself this way. You have learned to frame yourself this way in relationship with other people. It, it has come from everything I've been talking about, right? These expectations and the comparison and the social media, right? All of that has contributed to it. But there's not something that's especially wrong with you that's different from other people. This is happening for everybody, right? We all kind of feel this way about ourselves. It's, it's part of life and being in this world is we all just kind of feel this way about ourselves. And so if you can recognize that first and you can recognize that this is not something that's personal about you, it just comes with the territory. It's just part of the game, right? Then you can find a little bit of freedom in that. You can find a little bit of freedom in that just going, okay, so this isn't personal about me. There's none of this was ever true about me. None of this was ever real about me. I, I just picked up the same stuff that everybody picked up, right? I, I just, I'm just struggling in this world in the same way that everybody is. And then you can start to actively work against it. So what is actively working against it? Well, I remember like, for my, for my entire adult life, like I'm thinking like, you know, 20 and, and beyond, right? Up until the point where I started actually like getting into some healthy relationships, which there, there was a time when that started to happen. But for, you know, from like age 20 moving forward, for all those years, I was in like really shitty relationships. And I was either with people who like exhibited narcissistic tendencies. I was with people who were nice people, but they just weren't exciting to me. They like, they didn't like, I wasn't like, I, I could never be in love with them. I didn't respect them. Like it didn't, there was nothing about them that just set a fire in my soul, right? They were just nice people and the relationship was safe, but I was settling, like totally settling, right? There was, there was being in situations where I would chase people right? Like people that I liked, but they weren't really like equally interested in me. And so I would chase them and try to prove myself, try to show them how great I am and all of that. And so like all of the years that I was doing all of this were years that I just, I had a deep feeling of like the kind of relationship I want, I can't have. You know, the kind of person, like, like when I think about that dream of a relationship that I had, like the kind of person I would really want to be with, the kind of love, the kind of partnership, like, like that dream that I had, I just felt deeply in my soul that that just was not available for me, right? At some point in my life, and maybe it was, you know, when I got cheated on at 16 years old and like my first love crushed my heart, right? But, but I just started to believe that that was not possible for me. I just started to believe that I couldn't have that. And then moving forward from that, all of my relationships reflected that. 
But then I got to a place and it was when I started getting into personal development work, it was when I started having people who were coaching me and I started actually engaging in a conscious conversation about who I am, what I want from life, how to get there, right? Like all of this. And I remember being in a conversation with some of these coaches when I was like kind of first dipping my toe into the work and someone just asking me like, do you really believe that you're worthy of like a loving relationship? Do you really believe that the kind of partner that you want to have in your life, that you could have that person, right? Like, do you really believe that you could be loved in that way? And these were questions that I had never really asked myself, right? Like I had never really confronted this stuff. It was there. It was an, a limiting assumption I had made about myself that was like living in the recesses of my consciousness. And it was informing all of my thoughts. It was informing all of my decisions. It was informing all of my actions. But I had never really confronted it. It was just living in the background. And so when someone actually started to ask me those questions, and I started to really consider that. The first thing I realized was that, yes, there was an assumption that like, no, I could never have any of that, right? There was the assumption that just like that probably wouldn't happen for me. But then I questioned that. And, and you know, with the help of this coach who was guiding me in this, in this inquiry, but I questioned it. And it's like, okay, so there is this assumption that I can't have that. That wouldn't happen for me. I'm not worthy or lovable in that way. But like, why is that there? And is that really true? And the conclusion I came to when I really questioned that was I just saw very clearly that, you know what, like that, that couldn't really be true in any real way. That it couldn't really like, what, why would that be true? I just, like, I just really started to question, like, why would that be true? What is so wrong with me that I couldn't have that? Like, what is so different about me that so-and-so could have it, but I couldn't? And I started to realize that there's just nothing there. There was, there was nothing I could grab a hold of as like real concrete fact that says, this is why you can't have love. This is why it can't happen for you, right? And so that opened up a whole world for me. When I, when I finally just really got it, there was nothing that was fundamentally true about that. It was a feeling I had. It was a thought I had. It was an impression I'd picked up from somewhere. It was something that had been conditioned into me throughout my life. It was something that all these experiences and expectation and comparison had reinforced. And, you know, when I got cheated on and rejected and, and I just started to believe it. But there was nothing that was actually fundamentally true about it. And that was kind of a turning point, right? Like that, that moment when I realized that there was no fundamental truth about it, that was a turning point that set the, the, the rest of my future on a different traje trajectory. Because from that point forward, instead of looking for all the evidence of why it couldn't happen and believing all the stories about why it couldn't happen, I started to look for all the evidence and reasons that it could. And so this was my practice for years was I just started to acknowledge the things that were great about me. Like I love to learn and grow. Like I'm kind and compassionate. Like I'm loving, like I'm committed. Like I actually want a relationship. Like I'm going to show up for someone and, and like really be committed. Like, and, and I'm going to 
like, and I'm intelligent and I'm thoughtful and like, I'm creative. And, and I just, I started to just like really pay attention to the things that were great about me. I started to really just like even journaling about them, even talking about them on like coaching calls or like just whatever. Like I just really started to pay attention to all the things that make me amazing. All the things that would make someone want to fall in love with me. I just really started to clarify them item by item, line by line, piece by piece. And then not only did I do that, but I started to give those things expression in my life, right? I I started to like find ways to like express those things in the world. Like what are, so there was a, there was a process of really identifying my gifts what's amazing about me, what's lovable about what's lovable about me, what makes me worthy, what makes someone want to be in a relationship with me, right? Like like why would someone be lucky to be with me? And like really clarifying and connecting to all of that. And then giving those things expression. Finding ways to express those things in my life. And I, I mean, like, I found so much expression for those things. It was actually, it was actually quite easy because the thing is, like, once you, once you acknowledge a gift, it's like the, the next thing you want to do is you want to share it, right? Like, when I realize I have a gift, when I realize I have something that's amazing about me, the, the most natural thing for me to do is to want to put that out into the world. Right. And so, I mean, this was when I started teaching a class on Course in Miracles, right? Course in Miracles was something I was passionate about. It was something I understood. It was something that like really connected deeply for me. And so I started sharing it with the world, right? Like I, I, I got into yoga and like I started teaching yoga and I started like, I, I mean, there was just so much. Like I got into, um, Native American church and I, and I got, got involved in the ceremony culture and I, I just, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else. I mean, that was when I started my education as a coach and a trainer and I started my coaching company. I started taking on clients. I started um, like learning to deliver trainings and seminars. And and I mean, there, there was just, there was so, so much I did in, in those years. But it was all about me finding ways to express the things that were amazing about me. It was all about me finding ways to show the world what was great about me. And the like the really amazing thing was, was that the more I was identifying it in myself and then putting it out in the world, and then what would happen is I would put it out in the world, I would get positive feedback from it, and that would reinforce the ideas about myself. Now, it wasn't all positive feedback. And I got negative feedback too. And and something else I started doing during this time, and I think this is important to mention as well, is I started like really showing up to relationships differently, right? I started being very vulnerable in relationships. I started being very honest. I started talking about what I wanted. I started talking about the future. Like I started, there was, there was so much of a, like a, a level of honesty and depth and truth that I brought to dating and relationships that I had never brought before. And it was, you know, it was so fascinating because I saw something very clearly was that the more I connected to the things that were amazing about me and and like the gifts that I had, the more I got connected to that, the more comfortable I felt being authentic in relationships with other people. Because I started to recognize that like, wow, you know, like I'm really amazing. And 
Like all I want to do is share the things that are amazing about me with other people. Like I, I think I understood in a really fundamental way that like that is the only thing that would would attract someone to me. Like that is the only thing that would create a depth of relationship was sharing those things with people, right? And so I like, I started getting excited about doing that. And, and here's the thing, I got rejected a lot. Like, and, and I think there were, there were a few reasons for that. Like, I don't think I was necessarily what a lot of women were looking for. You know, like I'm a shorter guy. I think that, that was going against me. I, I think that like, um, you know, like I think honestly, like my my willingness to step into a relationship, I think scared a lot of women away. Like they were, they were so used to like the push pull dynamics and like, yeah. I don't want it to be this easy. So like, I, I think my emotional availability actually pushed a lot of women away. And, and there were, I mean, th there was a lot, but... I experienced a lot of rejection and I think it's important to say that because recognizing the gifts about yourself and getting comfortable putting them out in the world, that is a, a critical step. I mean, it's an essential step. It's one of the most important things that I think any of us will ever do is like really getting clear about what's amazing about me and getting comfortable expressing that in the world. I think it's, it's, it's like one of the most important things that any of us will ever do, but it's not always going to get positive feedback. And so I shared earlier that I would do that. It would get positive feedback and that would reinforce the positive beliefs that I had about myself, but it's not always going to get positive feedback, but there's, there's something magical that happens here. And I think even like when you get into a flow where you are really being yourself in life and you are really like feeling what's amazing about you and you are just being that in the world and everywhere you go, like even strangers, like it just doesn't matter anymore. You're just like being yourself and like talking to strangers and just connecting and like there's a freedom and an aliveness and it's like, it's like the abundance of who you are is just like, it fills your entire soul and it's like spilling out of you, right? And when I started living in that place, it wasn't always positive feedback, right? And I, I mean, I had a lot of women who told me like, uh, they'd rather be my friend or they just like, I wasn't what they were looking for. And they had their reasons for that. And that's all valid and it's totally okay. But here's, here's what happened for me. And I see this happening for my clients I see it happening for people in the Inspired Love program. And like, I think this is the thing I look for that really lets me know that somebody is on the right track. Like, this is the thing I look for that really just stands out to me and lets me know that somebody's on the right track. It's when, it's when they start living this way that I'm telling you about right now, right? Just like being like the authenticity and the passion and the emotional availability and just like just the like the authenticity. I, I know I already said that, but like just the truth of who you are being freely expressed in the world. And it feels so good, right? Like it feels so good. And when you're when you're living that way and when you're being that and when you're feeling that, when you're connected to that, something happens inside of you where you experience rejection. And it's just totally okay. And like, I remember when I experienced that for the first time, it was like surprising for me because I was like, well, holy cow, like in, in my, in my past, 
Like I would be beside myself or like if, if a woman like didn't want to be with me, like I would like be thinking like, what do I have to do to get her to like me? All this stuff. And like, it just like, it just all disappeared. And it seemed like it kind of happened overnight. But what had happened for me was I was so connected to like the truth of who I was. And, and like, it felt so good to be me. And I was like developing such a deep respect and appreciation for myself and who I am like as a human being and like, like how amazing I am. Like I was, I was getting so deeply connected to that and it was so real and it was so alive for me that when in the instances when it wasn't seen and it wasn't appreciated, that I just felt okay about it. I was like, look, you know, I don't really feel like that has anything to do with me. And it wasn't even like I had to convince myself, like I had to go talk to my coach about it and process this whole thing. Like it wasn't even like that. It was just like, I was so okay with myself that when someone else didn't feel the same way, I just got it that that doesn't have anything to do with me. Right. That like, that's about them. And it, it doesn't even mean there's something wrong with them. Right. Like this was the, this was the freedom in it. Right. Like, like, because that's almost the opposite extreme where when you need to protect yourself from it, you're like, oh, well they're lost and they don't know what they're missing and screw them and fuck them and like all this stuff. Right. Like that's what we do when we need to protect ourselves from it. But it wasn't even like that. It was like a complete freedom in like, I'm okay with who I am. And they're not into me, but that's okay because they're different and maybe they want something different. Maybe they're attracted to something different. Maybe they're looking for something different. Maybe they have a dysfunction and they're seeking out some kind of drama that I'm not bringing to the table. But whatever the deal was, it was okay for it to be that way. It was okay because what I felt alive inside of me in my soul, in my truth, right? Like what I felt was real and true was big enough that it like, it didn't matter. And so many of us, and like, I, I think I, I want to circle back now because when it comes to self-love, I, I think the biggest thing that prevents us from experiencing that is we put so much stock in the external world and no stock in our internal world, right? We are so busy seeking external validation. Let me get the approval. Let me get the compliment. Let me people think I'm attractive. Let people want me. Let me have people blowing up my phone. Let me get on dating apps and like spend my energy in conversations that don't make me feel good. But I do it anyway because... It gives me the validation I need. Just the fact that these people want to talk to me, even if they'll never ask me on a date, even if the relationship will never go anywhere, even if we're just going to be pin pals till fucking, you know, hell freezes over, like at least somebody wants to talk to me and I'm getting that validation, right? Or chasing down somebody who is like basically blowing me off, but I just keep chasing them because every now and then they show me attention and that gives me that little hit of dopamine where I go like, oh, thank God I'm good enough, right? And we put so much stock in the external world of seeking that external approval, 
those hits of validation, rather than really exploring our internal world and deciding for ourselves what is amazing about me, what is worthy about me, what is lovable about me, what are the things inside of my soul that I want to bring out into the world? Like, what, what is something that I have to give in this world that nobody else has? Right? Like, like that's the thing. It's, it's so many of us are trying to be like everyone else, right? We look on social media and how are people dressing and what are they doing and what are they saying? And, and we're trying to be like someone else. And all that's doing is subconsciously reinforcing the idea that I'm not enough. Rather than really like, I think one of the secrets to life, and I have, I have practiced this for years, and it really is a practice because it's not easy to do. But one of the secrets to life is staying in your own lane, like blocking out the noise. Like, I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they're saying. Like, I don't give, I don't give that any stock. I am searching my own soul. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm searching my own soul and I'm finding the truth that is there. And then I'm putting that out into the world. And I'm not giving a lot of, I'm not putting a lot of stock in how people feel about that. Right? I trust that if it's true in my soul, then it's safe to put it out there. And people's opinions about that just don't really matter that much. Right? Like that is... That is, I think, one of the biggest secrets to life. And it's so, so hard to do because like you get so much feedback. No, like you put something on social media and you're gonna get comments on it. People are gonna tell you what they think about it. And it's like, and we're so like afraid of that. And it it, it, it hurt, like it hurts us so badly to experience that disapproval from people. But you've got to recognize that if it hurts you that badly, if it digs that deep, what that's revealing and what's that, what that's pointing you to is you haven't gone deep enough inside of yourself to have your truth be bigger than someone else's opinion. And that's, that's the magic. Like that's the beauty, right? Is when you, when you know what's in your soul and you know like the, the beauty in that and, and the truth in that and how amazing that is and you've connected deeply enough that that is bigger than the external feedback you receive. And this is what creates love, right? Like this is the thing that creates love because look, you can... You can have all kinds of relationships from that, I'll call it that diminished place, that place where you're not really secure in who you are and really able to be yourself in the world, right? You can create all kinds of relationships from that place, but they're all going to ultimately have a feeling of emptiness. They might be really hot and heavy, they might take you to the mountaintop and, oh my God, I've never felt like this before. They might show you all kinds of things about yourself. You might experience incredible growth. You might fall in the deepest love you've ever felt. Like all of that might happen. 
But at the end of the day, all of those relationships are going to lead you to a place of emptiness. Because as long as you are creating love from that place of being diminished, you are only bringing in things that can reflect that. And just like you do all kinds of things to boost yourself up and make yourself look better and make yourself sound better and put on a big ego like you're the shit and like nothing gets to you and like you have the upper hand and all this stuff, right? Like in the same way you do all of that to boost yourself up, the relationship is going to do all of that and it's going to boost itself up and it's going to look like the perfect thing and it's going to look like the perfect person. But at the end of the day, when it all comes full circle, it is always going to come back and reflect to you how you truly feel about yourself. There's no escaping that. There's no way around that. And when you, when you get to that secure place of really loving and appreciating who you are, feeling comfortable with who you are, being able to put that out in the world freely, right? And openly and like honestly, authentically, without reservation. You will, you will experience all the opposite. And so it's really interesting because from the, from the diminished, inauthentic place, you put yourself out there. And you get a lot of validation on the front end, right? Oh, you're so hot. Oh, like people respond to your act. People respond to your mask. They respond to the game you're playing and you get a lot of validation on the front end. And then when it comes full circle is when the truth is revealed. Well, from the secure, authentic place, it's almost the exact opposite where you put yourself out there authentically, truthfully, genuinely, and you don't get great feedback on the front end all the time, right? Like some people might call you cringe. Nobody wants to be cringe, right? Well, it's so like the, the experience of cringe is such an interesting thing. And like I, I've, I've, I've worked with people in Inspired Love on this where they'll, they'll bring up the cringe thing and I'll be like, well, what is, what is cringe really revealing to you when, you when you're dating someone and they make you cringe? Well, what that person is doing is they are revealing an authenticity in them that they feel comfortable with that is reflective of an authenticity in you that you feel uncomfortable with. And when you experience that contrast between here's this person who is totally comfortable and able to reveal that, and here I am who could never reveal something like that, I go, <gasps> cringe. And so when you're really being yourself, you might make some people cringe because your authenticity might be a little too uncomfortable for them. You see, like your, your truth in who you are might just be too big for some people. Some, like your light, when you're really shining your light in the world, 
it might just be too bright for some of the people who are still living in darkness. And so on the front end, you might experience some rejection. You might experience some, oh, you make me cringe. You might experience some humiliation. But the thing is, is when that's alive inside of you and it's real and it's true and it's bigger than the external feedback you're getting, you can't, you, you can't not be that, right? It's like, sorry, it makes you uncomfortable, but this is so real and so true for me. And it feels so good to be this version of me in the world that I can't not be this. And so those people are going to get blasted out of your life. Like your energy is just going to be too strong for them. And they're just going to get blasted out of your life. But this is what I've said. And this is, this is how I talk about it in, in the Inspired Love program with my clients. Like this is how I've always taught it. Is that authenticity that you're putting out there, that's a vibrational signature, right? It is, it is like your truth as an expression, like as a, as a beacon that is being like blasted out into the world and it is calling out to its equivalent. And so all those people that cringe and like, oh, and I don't know, and oh, you make me uncomfortable, like all those people, your vibration is too strong for them. And your whole life, you have been dumbing down your vibration to try to fit in with them, to try to get them to like you. You've been dimming down your light to be more acceptable to them. And if, if, we, if we play the whole tape through, this is what your parents taught you to do. It's what your teachers taught you to do. It's what your boyfriends and your girlfriends when you were younger taught you to do. It's what your classmates and your peers taught you to do. If you wanted to be the prom king or the prom queen or whatever, like you had to, you had to do that. Right. If you wanted the social acceptance throughout your life, you had to dumb yourself down to get it. Because the world does not operate on a high vibration. So you had to diminish your authenticity and your truth and your light to get acceptance. That's what you've been taught your whole life. And that is translated into your love life and dating relationships and so on. And so there is a process, as I've been speaking about, of actively undoing all of that, of actively choosing to not let other people's perception of you run your life, to not be determined by, is this person going to like me or not, but rather be determined by, did I show up as the truest, fullest version of myself, right? Like that's the deciding factor for me. I don't care if they like me or not. What I care is when I go home at the end of the day, do I feel that I represented myself as truthfully and authentically as I possibly could? And at the end of the day, no matter how people feel about me, if I can honestly answer yes to that question, then I won. Then I won. And they might not like me, but you know what? It doesn't fucking matter because I won. And I know that if I do that day after day after day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, no matter what kind of feedback I get, 
if I continue to stand in that truth, that authenticity about myself, I am putting out a beacon into the world that is calling out to its equivalent, right? It's not calling out to the masses. It's not calling out to every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there. It's calling out to that person who is that perfect reflection for you. If you're too busy trying to impress every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the world, you can't speak to that person. You're too busy trying to speak to everybody that you're not speaking to the person you need to be speaking to. And if you speak to that person, you can't speak to everybody. And so this is where this is where we really like we reach a crossroads. And we have to choose what our life is going to be based on. Is our life going to be based on social survival and approval and getting people to like us? Or is our life going to be based on being the realest, truest version of myself and letting the cards fall wherever they may? And this is the promise that I will make to all of you. If you stand firm in the realest, truest version of yourself, you're going to go for a fucking roller coaster ride because the world's not going to like it. You are going to, you are going to become someone in the world that makes people uncomfortable because everywhere you go, you are going to shine a light on the inauthenticity that they are living in. Your, your presence is going to become a light that shines on other people's authenticity and you're going to make people uncomfortable. And you're going to go on a roller coaster ride. You're going to have a lot of ups and downs. You, you are going to be challenged externally in a way that forces you to explore yourself internally. And, and every challenge you face externally is going to drive you into deeper and deeper truth about yourself. And the, the deeper that truth becomes, the more compelled you are to put it out in the world, which is going to challenge people even more. That's just the way it is. So you're not going to have this safe, cushy life where you please everybody and you make everybody happy and everything's nice all the time. You're not going to have that life. You're going to make your family uncomfortable. You're going to make your friends uncomfortable. You're, you're going to be a rabble rouser. You, you just are. You're just going to mix things up in life. But if no matter how challenging it is at times, no matter how scary it is at times, you use that challenge as a way of like sharpening yourself as a way of clarifying your truth, as a way of going deeper inside of yourself and bringing out more of your truth into the world. Over time, as you continue to stand in that, piece by piece, aspect by aspect, every domain of your life will start to reflect that truth. Your career, 
your friendships, your family relationships, your romantic relationships, the partner you choose, the life you build together, your children, your home, all of it will start to reflect your truth. And I'm going to tell you, it's not going to look the way you think it will look because it's not coming from your mind, it's coming from your heart. So your mind has all these ideas about what it's supposed to look like and how it's supposed to be and all this stuff. And that's largely, like 90% is just conditioning. Stuff that you've picked up throughout your life of what you saw someone else had and you said, I want that. And then you just throughout your life developed this whole idea about what it's supposed to look like. It's not gonna look like that because that's conceptual. That's egoic. Comes from your mind and your getting motivation and all of that. But in your heart, if you live from your heart, if you live from your truth, your life will become a reflection of that vibrational signature that is alive in your heart. And it's not necessarily the way you thought it would look but it is the way that will bring you ultimate gratification in life. It is the way that will bring you ultimate joy and appreciation in life. Because it doesn't reflect your ideas about things. It reflects the truth. It reflects what's real. So for everybody who's listening today, I really want to encourage you and invite you to take a slower path, right? Like, like don't, don't chase that immediate hit of gratification in whatever form it might be in. But instead, take the time to really discover your truth in that situation, what your soul has to say about that situation. Right? Like take the time to go inside, do the internal work and find out what is really true in your soul about all of this. And then live in accordance with that. Like have the courage to live in accordance with that. Even when it's hard. Because that is self-love. What I just described, taking the time to clarify your truth in your soul and then express that in the world, in every domain of your life, no matter how challenging it might be sometimes, that is self-love in every sense of the word. You know, we hear self-love as, oh, go get a massage or go take a bath or make yourself a nice dinner. Like, like that's self-care. And self-care can be a part of self-love. Like, I think people who love themselves also care for themselves. But self-love is so much bigger than that. Self-love is an orientation that defines your life, that informs every decision you make. It is, it is living your life in such a way that every decision you make 
honors you and honors your truth versus taking away from you and taking away from your truth. So for everyone, like reflect on that. And you know, it's okay. Like this is a journey. This is not like, I wouldn't say there's really anyone here who has perfect self-love. I, I think we're all influenced by the culture, by the external manifestations and however they show up. And so we're all influenced by that. Self-love is not something about perfection, but it's about using that, using those challenges and using the, the areas where you struggle with this to, to go deeper within yourself and bring more of yourself into the world. And the more you do that, the more of your dreams will be created. Because that's the way it works. All right, so that being said, I'm going to take a few questions today, and then we'll wrap up. I, I just want to um, read a couple of comments here. I've seen some people commenting. Um, and then if you have questions, just go ahead, drop them in the chat. Uh, maybe for a half hour or so, I'll take as many as I can. Um, I want to read this comment from Lisha. She says, I feel this so deep and the hurt is there again. So contradictory that the light I brought into our relationship eventually revealed his shadow side. Yeah, yeah, it will. He literally said he was finally in a healthy relationship, but then felt he wasn't worth it and self-sabotaged. Yes, I will never give up my authenticity. I, I love what you're saying here, Leisha, and I think that's so true. And, you know, like, if we make this really practical, like this conversation we're talking about here, if we make it really practical, like just something simple, like let's say somebody is giving you hot and cold, right? Like you, you've been dating someone and, you know, you go out on a date and it's like, oh my God, like you're the, you're the hottest thing since sliced bread. And like, I just want to see you all the time. And like, you're so amazing. I've never felt like this before. And then, you know, two days later, they're like cold, won't even respond to your text messages. And they're going back and forth with you, right? Like most people in a situation like that, they get really insecure. And they're like, am I doing something wrong? Like, should I say something? Should I not say something? And we fall into like different kinds of manipulation and game playing and, and like, well, I'm just not going to respond and give, give him a taste of his own medicine, all this stuff, right? But like, if you in that moment, instead of falling into the same kind of bullshit games he's playing, in that moment, you can connect to your truth and say like, hey, listen, I need to talk to you about something. Like, this is what I've noticed. We've been out on a few dates and, you know, one day you're like really into me. The next day you're like, I can't even get a hold of you. Like, what's going on? Are you into this or not? Like, that's just like a very practical example, right? But what you're doing is you are using your truth and your authenticity to shine a light on their lack of authenticity. Like, this is how it works. And when you shine that light, yeah, they might be like, who the fuck are you to call me out on this? I don't even know you. I don't know you anything, right? And, and that can be painful to hear, right? When you're, when you're like trying to vulnerably connect with someone, you're saying like, hey, I've noticed this and this is how I feel about it. And that's scary for me. And like, can you just be honest with me, right? And like you, you shine that light and then you get attacked for it. Like that can be scary. That can be painful. But that's where you've got to recognize that your light did its job, 
right? Like, like you shined that light, it revealed the darkness, and now you know. And if you hadn't shined that light, if you just kept trying to tiptoe around the situation, kept trying to be like, what else could I do to get them to be more consistent? Keep trying to give more and more of yourself. I just give more of myself. Maybe they'll like me. Maybe they'll show up for me. That doesn't work. It never, ever works. And what can also happen sometimes is you shine that light. It reveals that darkness. And then that person goes, you know what? I didn't see that darkness before. Like, thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to work on that. And then they actually do. And maybe the relationship succeeds, but it only succeeds because you were willing to bring your light to it. Whereas if you hadn't, all the manipulation and games would have evolved and then you would have ended up resenting each other and the relationship would have fallen apart. If the relationship has the opportunity to rise to your level, it will. But only when you have the courage to bring that level to it, right? It's like you bring the higher level of energy and you invite the relationship to match it. If you bring the higher level of energy, but the relationship doesn't match it, you know it's incompatible. You know it can't meet you where you are. But again, you first have to do the work to be emotionally and mentally and, and in a place where you can bring that higher level of energy. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Leisha. And, and I, I think that I think that's so true and, and I know it's not easy. And I just want to acknowledge you for doing the important work there, being that honest, being that forthcoming and, and you know, shining your light in that way. I just want I just want to acknowledge that. And it's not easy, but great job doing it. You know, that's so, so important. So um, Bianca Health Promotion is asking, what about subconscious components of complex trauma? How do you do that? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I spoke into that a little bit when I was talking about, you know, our upbringing with our parents, uh, the expectations that are placed on us, the social expectations from our peers and the, um, you know, the expectations from our teachers and leaders and, and just, you know, and, and it spills over. And, you know, when we start dating, like our relational experiences just kind of get filtered through the trauma we already have, right? So if, if I have a certain view of life and myself based on trauma, and then I get into a relationship, well, I'm going to filter that relationship through the traumatic experience that I've had. And, and I'm going to frame that relationship in a way that tends to reinforce the trauma. So this is all part of it. And I think like it varies a little bit depending on what your experience was, the degree of trauma that you have. You know, I, I think if you went through very, very severe trauma, your journey may look like getting deep into therapy. You know, your, your journey may look like um, doing some more things that someone who had a lighter version of trauma may not need to do as much and, and maybe not, right? Like, I, I think this is so personal, so individual. I think there are people who have experienced severe trauma 
but for whatever reason, they're able to understand it in a very clear way. They're able to make sense of it. They're able to see the purpose it served in their life. They're able to see who they've become as a result of it. And, you know, maybe they don't need an incredible amount of therapy. So I, I think it's, I think it's very individual. I think it depends a lot on the person and the degree of trauma that happened and everything included. But what I would say is that, you know, we all have subconscious components of trauma, whether it be big or small. We all have that. And that is what leads us, that, that is what kind of sets the snowball rolling. Whatever those traumas were, that is what sets the snowball rolling down the hill to lead me to feel like I'm unworthy, to lead me to feel like I'm not lovable, to, to, to prevent me from being able to really love myself or see my gifts. And the process of resisting the external validation, going inward, identifying the, the truth of everything that's there and everything I've been talking about today, like that is a healing process. So this process does largely heal the trauma as you're going through it. And again, like that's not to say you could just do it on your own or you could just do it tomorrow. Like this process may include years of therapy. This process may include joining a program like Inspired Love, where we focus on this and work through this directly, right? So I'm not saying that um, just do it and like, like it's no big deal. The healing journey is a big deal. The healing journey is the most important journey of your life. So yes, the components of complex trauma are very much involved in all of this, but like you've got to start where you are. And so what I would say is make a decision to love yourself more. Make a decision to be authentic. Make a decision to bring your truth to life in the biggest way you can in every single moment. And then from there, start doing the healing work that will allow you to do that more and more and more the more you heal. And, uh, I mean, I, I think the other thing I would say about it is that, that uh, I mean, I've already said it, but that journey is going to be personal to you, right? So once you start that journey, you will find your way. You will find the healers and the teachers that are going to help you work through that trauma. It's like they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? So it's like you will find the teachers and the healers that will help you move through that trauma. But it starts with your commitment to it first. It starts with you taking it seriously, and then the journey will unfold from there. So thank you for thank you for the question. Beautiful question, and I, I think it's a, a big one. And we all have those traumas to heal from, right? We all have those. We all have those, and we all have to work through them in our own way, and they're different for each of us. Even two people who experience the exact same event will have two different relationships with it, right? So if there were two children, let's say they were, you know, molested or something when they were young, maybe they were two twins or, or two brothers and sisters or whatever, and the same thing happened to both of them when they were young, they're going to have two different relationships with it, right? So it's, it's, not, it's not to say that trauma is any one thing. Trauma is how you relate to it within your own being. And healing is the forgiveness and the letting go of that in whatever way that happens. 
And you've got to find your way from point A to point Z, right? You've got to find your way there. Um, so beautiful question. Thank you for bringing that in. I, th I think it's important to talk about. Um, Robin Simmons says, I'm having a hard time feeling triggered about being controlled. And I can't tell if it's past or present emotions. My body feels shaky and my heart palpitations tell me something is wrong. How do I tell? Um, Robin, I'm just curious, is this, is this about a, an active relationship that you're in? Um, if you could let me know in the comments, because like, is this just kind of an existential experience or is this in relation to a particular person? Um, I, I think that would really help me in terms of answering the question. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Active. Thank you. So it's an active situation. Someone you're dating, you're feeling triggered about being controlled. I can't tell if it's past or present emotions. My body feels shaky and my heart palpitations tell me something is wrong. How do I tell? Okay, great, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for the question. Um, so what you're really asking here is like, is my body responding to something that is actually happening, happening in the relationship that is feeling unsafe for me? Or is this my trauma coming up? Right? Is, it a, is it a past reaction that I'm holding in my body being reactivated, but it's not actually about this person, it's about the past? Well, what, what I would say, and this is a, an amazing question, and thank you for asking. Um, I, I think so many of us struggle to, so many of us struggle to identify like where what we're feeling is coming from. And this is what I would say, is... You know, I, I would start by just taking space in the relationship, right? So, like, I think you need space in a relationship to navigate this. So if if the two of you are spending a lot of time together, if you're seeing each other every day, um, I don't know if you are, but if you are, the first thing I would do is cut that back to, like, a couple times a week. And you could just say, like, listen, um, this is unfolding very quickly, and I just, I want to be able to take my time with this. I want to be able to, you know, feel my way into this. And I just feel like I need a little space in between the times we see each other to really be present to what I'm feeling and what's happening for me, right? Now, that's, that's creating a boundary right there. Now, what's great about that is creating boundaries always reveals something about the person. So does he respond to that by going, absolutely, I understand, I want you to have that space? Or does he try to prevent that, right? Does he try to say, why do you need space? What's wrong? I, I haven't done anything wrong. Like, why are, you, why are you wanting to distance yourself, right? Like, his unwillingness to let you have that space will show you a lot about the relationship in and of itself right there, right? So I, I'd say start by kind of creating that boundary. Start by having space to yourself where you can really sit and navigate what you're feeling and communicating that boundary. Again, if you say to him, listen, I really need to take space to see what I'm feeling here. And he encourages that. That's going to make you feel safe. It's going to make you feel less controlled, right? Him saying, absolutely. If you need the space, I want you to have it. I totally support that. That in and of itself will make you feel less controlled. It will make you feel more free. Right. So that's the first thing. The next thing I want to say is like in the space you take, you want to 
try to regulate the experience. And I'm not going to go into a lot of that right now because that's a whole other conversation, but you know, through meditation, through deep breathing, through journaling, through just different uh, somatic processes of, of relaxing the body, um, like really just try to come to a state of ease inside your body. And then um, once you can bring your body into a state of ease, I would recommend journaling and like really reflecting on the time you've spent together and just ask yourself and like, you may not know right away, like it, there's something really amazing we can all do. We don't practice this enough, but you can ask yourself questions that you don't readily have an answer to and you can allow the answer to emerge, right? Like your consciousness knows way more than you are consciously aware of. And so if you ask yourself a question like, what has happened in the time we've spent together? Maybe it's a month or two months or three months or something. What has happened in the time that we've spent together that has made me feel uncomfortable about this relationship? And you can just sit with that. And again, you don't have to think a lot about it. You want to kind of let, let the answers emerge from like inside of you, right? You're not like cognitively like turning the hamster wheel trying to figure it out. You're just kind of sitting with it and breathing and letting it emerge through you. And you might just start to have memories emerge. And you might say, oh, you know, there, there was that time when like he gave me a really dirty look. And I, it, like it almost it happened so quickly, it didn't even register. But I just remember like I said something and he just gave me a really dirty look for a second. And then a second later, he smiled like it never happened. And I totally forgot about it. I didn't even think about that until right now. But that made me really uncomfortable. Right? And then what you can start to do is you can start to pay attention. Like, let me notice if I get any more of those looks from him. Right? Or you might, you might just, other memories might come up. Like, there, there was that one time where he just kind of snapped at me. And he immediately afterward changed his tone. And, and I didn't even think much of it. But that made me really uncomfortable. Right? Like you might just start to notice, like things might start to emerge. And, and I'd say, just sit with that and reflect on it. Anything that he's said or done that has made you feel controlled. And maybe you sit there and like literally nothing comes up. You're like, okay, like literally I, I, I haven't thought of one thing that he has said or done to make me feel even remotely unsafe since I've started seeing him. Right? So then you might go, okay, well, maybe it is just the past stuff. But I'm going to pay attention. So maybe, maybe things were happening and I just didn't really realize it. So I'm going to start paying attention. And this is why it's important to take space in between times you see each other, right? Because you see each other for a day or maybe a weekend or whatever, but then you go home and you're by yourself and you can really reflect on anything in that time that you were together that made you uncomfortable. And so... This is a very conscious process of really sorting through what you feel, identifying where it comes from. You know, I would make a note of any time you feel uncomfortable around him, right? And then, so like just going forward, anytime you're with him and you start to feel that discomfort in your body, like just make a mental note of it. Like, oh, I felt comfortable on Tuesday when we were in the park and, you know, we were walking the dog or whatever. Right, just make a mental note of it. And then afterwards, when you're by yourself, you can go back and reflect on, so what was happening that day? What led up to that? 
right? What was happening in the moment that I felt uncomfortable? What were we talking about? And you can just start to consciously identify if this is coming from inside of you or if it's coming from him. And then once you identify what's there, if there's something inside of you that you feel like, okay, this is my trauma that I'm bringing to the relationship that is creating resistance, you could actually share that with him, right? You could actually say, you know, I, I noticed I've had some resistance in this relationship and I think it's from my past and because I've been in abusive situations and, you know, I've just learned that I can't be, you know, too available or whatever, right? Like you, you could share that with him. And if you notice it's something about him, like there are certain looks he gives you or certain ways that he snaps at you, or he has kind of an aggressiveness in his posture, or, or maybe it's the way he talks to his friends or his family or his mother or the waiter at the restaurant, right? But you can start to connect these dots and start to, and start to see where it's coming from and what it is. Then you can talk to him about it and say, hey, you know, like I've noticed, like these are some things that made me uncomfortable. And, and again, he's either going to say, wow, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. I didn't notice. I want to work on that. Or he's going to be like, who are you to judge me? Uh, and so even that's going to, every time you bring up one of these conversations, their response reveals the potential that's there. So I, I think, Robin, what really needs to be done here is you need to slow down a little bit. You need to take space and you need to consciously reflect and identify where this is coming from. Like you can, you have the ability to, to identify where this is coming from, but it doesn't happen when you're moving too fast. It doesn't happen when you're caught up in like getting those hits of dopamine, like one more, one more, one more. I want to see him again. I want to hear from him again. I want to talk to him again. I want to like, right? Like that, that like need for him it, it, it doesn't create enough space for you to really figure out what's going on for you. So when you're consciously building a relationship, there, there is an element of moving into it and then moving out of it, right? My wife and I were fortunate because we were long distance. So we would spend a weekend or a week together and then we would be apart for a week. So it was like, there was that, there was that, it was happening kind of on its own, but but if it's not happening, if it's not happening on its own, then you need to make it happen, right? But you've got to like, you've got to consciously take space for yourself to get clear about what you're feeling, where that's coming from, what you want to say in this relationship, what you don't want to say, what you want to ask for, right? That only comes in the space you take with yourself. So yeah, lots of love. I hope that helps. It's a great question. I know it's something a lot of us struggle with. Like, uh, just one thing I'll add to that. And by the way, if, if there are any other questions, I have time for one more. If anybody wants to drop one question, I could take one more. Um, if not, we can close it out. But one thing I want to say is that I, I think, you know, we are, we are survival oriented, right? Like we have, you've got to understand this. And, and even, even for years when I was getting into personal development work and learning about, you know, all this stuff, I, um, I didn't really realize the gravity of this for a long time. It took me a while to really connect all the dots. But you've got to understand, like, your body has whole systems of its own that are designed to keep the body alive. Like, this is not, these are not things that are happening in your thoughts. These are not things that are happening in your feelings. Like, these are things that are happening in your physical body. 
And these are whole systems of their own that are designed to keep the body alive. And one of those systems is the reward system that, that centers around dopamine and motivation. And it's, you know, evolutionarily speaking, it's a system that is designed to reward good behavior. Like when you do something like eat a meal that, that you, like you cooked a meal for yourself and you eat that meal and it's nourishing for your body, it releases dopamine and it's designed to like make you want to eat because that keeps you alive. But our society, the way it is, is not respective of the systems of the body. It's actually, our society manipulates the systems of the body. People, people manipulate our reward systems and things like that to make us buy things. And so like you've got to understand we live in a world where these survival systems in our body are constantly being stimulated in unhealthy ways. They're constantly being manipulated for other people's gain in different ways. And so they're very, very, very dysregulated. And so most of us, because our physical systems are so dysregulated, we end up staying, we end up feeling chemically depleted, which leads to like a, a chronic feeling of like depression and exhaustion, right? Because our dopamine centers are being just triggered all the time. And so we, we feel like exhausted and depleted. And then what happens is in order to solve that, we try to get more hits of dopamine. And so we get on social media and we, we try to get on dating apps and we turn to the people we're in relationship with. And there's this constant like we're in this cycle of trying to feel better by feeding the system that is making us feel bad. I, like, I, I really hope that makes sense. And, and so it becomes very addictive. And I think especially in dating and in relationships, which is such a vulnerable part of ourselves, it's so tied to our lovability and our worthiness and are like, it's, it's so much, like it's so deep and it's so intimate. It's so vulnerable and the dopamine hits around it are so intense because of that. Right. And so there's like, there's this thing that happens where we almost become addicted to someone when they're feeding the, those reward centers, right? We need that next text message. We need to hear from them again. We need certainty about what, where the relationship is going. Like, like when they touch me and when they hold me and when they look into my eyes and they say those beautiful things, when they, you know, when they send me that text message and it just gives me butterflies, right? Like when we feel all of that, the dopamine is so intense around it and it makes us feel so good that we like we crave it and we want more of it. And then we start to deeply fear that we're going to lose it. And like, and this is, again, this is a biological system that is designed to keep us alive and, and like keep the like species reproducing, right? So like you've got to understand there are billions of years of evolution are going into this and it's powerful and it's strong and it's so easy to just let it completely take over. And so that's why, that's why it's so important when we're talking about consciously creating a relationship to recognize the need for space and to have that be like a non-negotiable because your body is going to want to see that person again. It's going to want to be with that person again. It's going to want to feel that again, right? So actually recognize how important that space is and have that be non-negotiable. 
and and to like really you know take time to consciously if, if you spend like a weekend with someone and you've been in bed all weekend and it's like you're so in love and all of this is like to really come back from that experience and take the time to consciously decompress from that and come back down to a normal state where you can see the situation objectively, right? Everything in us is going to want to just keep going more, 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 more. And, and that's where you've really got to, like, like when we talk about being conscious, being conscious is operating at a level above the systems of the body, right? It's, it's, it's seeing the systems of the body and being able to regulate them and bring them into balance versus just letting them drive all the decisions I make. And so like, it, it's so important to realize that. And I, I love what you brought up, Robin, because it's just for all of us, like, like we've got to, like most of us, when we meet someone and we get those butterflies and we're feeling all the euphoria and we feel so in love, like most of us say to ourselves, I never want this to stop. And that's the wrong thing to do, right? Like, like you've got to actually be like, okay, this is wonderful, but I know on Monday morning I'm going to go to work and I'm going to need this to stop, right? Like, like I'm going to actually want to bring myself down from this, bring myself back into balance. It's wonderful when I can spend a weekend with someone and the electricity is there and we can go into this together and we can be all in love and we can share this. Like, it's amazing. It's wonderful. But I'm actually going to want when Monday morning rolls around to come back down to earth to regulate my system and see things from a rational, realistic perspective, right? Like, and as we're talking about self-love, even that is an act of self-love, right? Is like wanting to get back to my homeostasis, wanting to get back to a balanced place. That is an act of self-love. Whereas chasing another hit of dopamine is just that, that like unworthiness, me wanting to like fill up that empty hole inside of myself. Right. Um, so anyway, I want to say, uh, I haven't seen any other questions come in, so I'm going to go ahead and close it out today. Um, you know, I want to say in closing that like really, I said it earlier, but I just want to repeat it here is that Self-love is, it is, it is an orientation in life, right? It's not, it's not going and getting a massage or taking a bath or like, it's not that, right? It is an orientation in life. It is something that informs every action you take, every decision you make, the thoughts you think it like, and and it is real work to cultivate that, right? Everything in our world, everything in our culture, everything in our society wants to make you love yourself less. If you love yourself less, you'll buy more shit, right? If you love yourself less, you'll fall for people's games. If you love yourself less, you'll live into the expectations of others. If you love yourself less, you'll be a doormat and be, and be who people want you to be, right? Like everything in our world is encouraging you to love yourself less. And it is work. It is real work to cultivate a strong sense of self-love. But doing that is the most important thing you will ever do in your life. 
it, it really is. And I know there are so many things that you could say today are so much more important than that. But I promise you, even, even that, even that question of like, what's the most important thing for me to do today is informed by how much you love yourself. Right? So, um, that's what I want to end with today. I want to send all of you lots of love. I want to send all of you lots of love and um, best wishes out there. It's, uh, yeah, you know, this is this is big stuff we're dealing with, and I really appreciate you tuning in every week to the show. And um, you know, I'm I'm always I'm always like learning and growing and just working with people and and taking your questions and just diving deeper and deeper into this conversation to really find how I can serve you more. So, you know, I love it when you bring your questions and I love it when you you share and, and just thank you so much for being here and everything you bring that allows me to continue to serve and 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 make the show better and make myself better for you. So thank you for everything you bring. I'm so grateful that you're here. Uh, grateful to be here with you and be sharing this message today. Sending you so much love wherever you are on the journey and I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Lots of love, everybody. Take care, many blessings. And I'll see you soon, bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.